Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Now, what we're going to talk about is prayer today. It's always a good thing to talk about in church, prayer. Hey, is there anybody that believes that there is power in prayer? Anybody? Yeah. Like stuff really happens when you pray, right? Like it's just not something you do and, and just, well, it's just, it's just a tradition, a thing that we just do because we're supposed to. I mean, you really believe that when you pray, stuff happens. You believe that? Then why don't we pray more? <laughs> what? You telling me I don't pray enough? Well, okay, let's put it this way. I know that right here in this room right now, there are things that we do that we know for sure, and there will be people that will tell you you're spending too much time at that, whether it's golfing or watching sports or shopping or I don't know. It could be a number of things that I'm sure that in your life you would admit I'm spending too much time at that. But I don't think, and by the way, when I speak this message, I'm telling you what, I'm speaking right to me. I need to be encouraged and motivated and stirred just as much as anybody else. So I'm speaking right back to me. But I'm sure that there's n- none of us in this room can say, oh, man, if there's, if there's one thing I'm doing, spending too much time at, that's prayer. I mean, morning, night, noon, I'm doing it all the time. i got no time for my family, no time for sports. Not, I'm just praying all the time, and it's just, just too much. Anybody like that? No, not me. But if there is power in prayer and something really does happen when we pray, then it ought to motivate us to want to pray probably a little bit more than what we're praying right now. And so hopefully by the time we're finished today, you will be encouraged. Or a stronger word is exhorted. All right, that's a kick in the head. All right, yeah, that's right. Okay, we need that once in a while. Okay. There's two things when it comes to the power of prayer that I want to share with you. Just two things. One is the power of prayer is dependent. It hangs on this. Contingent on this. The power of prayer is dependent on faith. Okay, now I know most of you saying, yeah, yeah, no, we know that. Okay, let's move on. No, well, really, do we? Do we? It's always been dependent on faith. But I think what needs to happen is that every now and then we need to be reminded that we need to have some faith in this. We just don't pray prayers. I mean, you know, could you imagine just going, well, you know, listen, I pray that, you know, I, I know you're sick and you're about to die, and I pray that, uh, you know, that you'd be raised up and be healed. And then you walk away going, oh, boy, I hope that worked. That would be encouraging to the person, wouldn't it? But no, we, we've got to pray as if something is taking place when we declare in Jesus' name. Listen to this. Matthew 21, verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. How many believe that scripture? I mean, yeah, do you? I mean, you don't have to believe it, but it's in the Bible. You believe it? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, then, 
think about this. How many of us, we, I mean, we totally believe this scripture. We're in church. We, we better start believing scripture, I'm thinking. Yeah. But how many of us then, everything and anything that you pray for, it's happening all the time, every time. Now, doesn't that get a little... See, here's why sometimes I think maybe we don't pray. It's because, well, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, I believe... If you believe, you receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But then when we start praying whatever, it's going, I, it doesn't happen that way. All right, how about James 5, verse 13 to 15? And I'm going to zero in on verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now, that's what the Bible says. How many believe that scripture? You don't have to believe it. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I, I believe this too. The prayer of, okay. Then if that's true, then, and by the way, you don't need to raise your hand for this. How many of us in this room can say that, man, I'll tell you what, I've offered, let's just talk the last seven days, one week, that I have offered prayers in faith, according to what we say we believe, and we saw sick people get well. Oh, now remember, this includes me now, because I can tell you right now, I haven't done that. Listen, never mind seeing sick people get well. We don't even offer the prayers. <laughs> really? And then, now let's bring it back. Okay, well, wait a minute, there's power in prayer, man. Yes, yes, if you believe, you'll receive whatever. Ooh, I believe that. The prayer offered in faith, yes, I believe that, check. But then what are we doing about it? Oh, okay, well, let's back up, let's back up the boat then. You know, there was a story that was, uh, that was told to me. So I, I wasn't there, but it was just told to me. It was a teenage girl in England going to school, follower of Jesus. And so she was in the school, and she had this, I mean, it wasn't a close friend. It was just a casual acquaintance, a friend of hers that did not go to church, did not know anything about God. And this friend of hers had a chronic back problem. She was always in pain. Went to the doctors, tried everything, could not, nothing worked. And finally, when the Christian friend ran up to her in the hallway, and you know how we do, we just say, hey, how are you doing today? All right, well, this girl decided to be honest because most of us were, we're not really honest. I mean, we're going through a real difficult time. We'll tell people, well, we're doing fine. We're, we're okay. And this girl said, I'm in terrible pain. We've went to the doctors. We've done everything. And I, don't, I can't continue coming to school because this severe pain is just affecting my life. Well, the Christian girl said, well, listen. You know, I, I believe in God, and you know, I, I go to church down the road here, and, and I believe that God can do anything. I believe he can heal your back. Would you allow me to pray for you? Now, you know, some of us, we're, we're at school or at work or somewhere, and we don't want to mess with people's lives. Matter of fact, we don't want to say things like that because we will feel like we're going to be rejected. I think here's what we need to do is have a different mindset. 
I think instead of feeling like you might be rejected, how about the possibility that there is someone in your workplace, someone where you are at school or wherever you might be, that is waiting for someone to come along with the answer that they've been looking for. And you know what this ungodly girl that doesn't know nothing about God, you know what she said? She said, well, yeah, I don't mind you praying for me. I've tried everything else. So her Christian friend said, okay, let's get out of the hallway and let's go into the bathroom. So they get into the bathroom of the school and this Christian young girl just, she says, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my hand on the area of your back where you're feeling the pain and I'm just going to pray in Jesus' name. Is that okay? Yeah, that'd be okay. She starts to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, will you touch me? And all of a sudden, this ungodly girl starts to go, oh, whoa, wow. And her Christian friend said, what, what, what's going on? She goes, well, when you touched my back and you started to say the name of Jesus, there was a warm feeling that went all the way down through my back. Oh, could you do that again? She goes, well, yeah, sure. She continues to pray. Father, touch my friend's back. Well, next thing you know, her friend Starts taking off out of the bathroom. She's running down the hallway. Oh, 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 hey, everybody. Oh, oh, hey, hey, Jesus is in the bathroom. Yeah. See, this girl didn't have enough time spent in one of our refined churches to understand that when God touches you, we have to really be careful how we respond. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. Good word. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. People, it's only people in the church that get all restricted. Do you know there's people out there in the world that all of a sudden, if you begin to pray for them, if you dare to believe enough that something does happen when you pray, when you speak the name of Jesus, that healings do take place, when you speak the name of Jesus, that darkness has to go, if you dare enough to believe and then someone gets touched by the presence of God, let me tell you something. They'll run all over the place. They'll go next door neighbors. They'll run down the school hallway and they'll scream it and they'll yell it and they'll tell it everywhere. And when they do, it changes people. Well, as a result of that simple prayer, this young Christian girl daring to believe enough to do something about it, it turned the school upside down. A whole pile of students came and said, hey, we want to accept Jesus. And this is what can happen in your neck of the woods. Okay? So, depending on faith. So, really, let's start really believing that when you pray, something does happen because something is happening. All right, depending on faith. The second thing, the power of prayer is unlimited to those who abide in Christ. Now, uh, abiding, we're talking about relationship. Now, I, I'm not talking about, oh, blow the dust off the Bible once in a while. You know, we haven't read that. But, whoo, it's been a few months here. Let's read now. Or come to church when you feel like it. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about day in and day out, 24-7. I mean, talking, walking, breathing Jesus, getting to know him more and more and more. Then the power of prayer is unlimited. Okay? Because listen to this. John 15, verse 7. If, and this is Jesus talking, by the way. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Wow. 
You mean I can ask whatever I wish and it will be given me? Yeah. Well, there was a condition, though. The condition was, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And so it's not like, well, I'll show up whenever I feel like it and, and I'll get on the spiritual bandwagon once in a while and then I'm floating off doing something else. I'm not even sure if God's real. And then you come back in again. No, we're talking about the people that really every day you're saying, I want to know him more and more and more, getting closer and closer and closer. You say, well, you know, yeah, I know, but I hear what you're saying here, but still I'm, I'm praying and, and it's kind of hit and miss, things happening. I don't get it. Well, the Bible gives us some indication of why things don't happen. You can go to James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel, you fight, you don't have. Okay, listen to this. You don't have because you don't ask. Can you? Okay, so if you want something, what a concept. How about asking for it? Now, here's what happens. Is that we go, well, you know, like God knows. He, he already knows. Like, why, 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 why do I need to bring something up? He already knows. Well, let me, let me tell you something. This is kind of just my, my, my thinking. Gets a little crazy sometimes. But I remember my four-year-old daughter. I've got two daughters. But my four-year-old, Krista, she was four years old at the time. And I remember what she used to do. She was the cutest little thing. I mean, bouncy, curly hair, and she walk out, and she's got this squeaky little voice, and oh, just melt your heart, right? She'd come up, and, and she, <laughs> she's bouncing up, <laughs> daddy, daddy, and I know exactly what she's doing. Daddy, um, um, <laughs> can I have a quarter for the bubblegum machine? And I'm like, uh, oh, okay, okay, and I'm reaching in my pocket, and she's like, <laughs> yes, and I take the quarter out, and I go, yeah, I got one. Well, I give her that quarter, and she is bouncing and dancing all the way down to the bubblegum machine. Now, could you imagine if all of a sudden my little four-year-old caught on, and she goes, hey, you know what? Daddy knows all the time. He knows that I need a quarter. I don't need to ask him. Why should I ask him? He knows all it. Like, I'll either get it or I won't. Rob me of the joy. Rob me of the experience of seeing my little girl when I give her the thing that she's asking for. You know what? I think that's the way sometimes we treat God. We're robbing him of the joy when we ask. He, it's pleasure for our Father to give you what you're asking for. We walk around sometimes like this feeling like we're begging God to do something. And he's there with a stick saying, oh, you miserable little worm. What are you asking me? Because I know what you were like. And, and we have this concept that God is this mean person. When all along, he's waiting for you to ask because he so wants to give it to you. It's a thought. All right, you're saying, okay. Yeah, I get that. All right, but what about God's will? I mean, God's will plays into this. And we, we can't be praying, you know, naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing, and, you know, stuff just automatically happens. No, it doesn't work that way. We, I mean, maybe it's not God's will. 
for this to happen. You ever thought about that? Oh, okay. Well, I think what we need to do there is get into the Word. You know, really? Uh, There's kind of a blueprint, a map, thing for life, His Word. And if we'll read His Word, okay, let's get one thing straight. When it comes to someone being healed, restored, and all that kind of stuff. You, you know, right from the very beginning, the plan of God, you know what the plan of God was? None of us were supposed to ever die, ever. None of us were supposed to be sick. But Adam and Eve messed that up, didn't they? And when they did, brought sin into the world. Rebellion, all of it t- took place. But then God said, well, you know what, I'm not satisfied with that, so I'm going to rescue them from this mistake that they made. Sent his son Jesus. God came in the flesh himself. Died for us. And when he died, man, I'll tell you what. He died for our sin, but also he took all of that beating. He took all of that that woundedness. Everything he took upon himself that we might be healed. From the beginning, he wants us whole, healed, healthy. So if that's the original plan, Don't you think that when we speak the name of Jesus now, all of what he wants for us, he's saying, I want to give that to you. Just a thought. All right. God's will. All right. So, now, while we're talking about God's will, here's here's James 4, verse 8, and we're talking about relationship, okay, and knowing him. And the closer we get to God. I'm telling you something, man, the closer we get to God, we begin to understand his purpose and his will and his plan. But James 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Well, haven't we got that a little backwards? Really? Because, you know, we show up on a Sunday morning, dragging into church like, wow, poor man, I was was late last night and, yeah, I was at, I don't know, somebody's house, I know, we were watching the Raptors, you know, beat up on the... Warriors, and that was a late night, but yet we know that Sunday morning always follows Saturday night, and we're coming to church, we're coming to give God all the glory, and we can barely lift our hand or do anything because we're so exhausted. Now let me tell you something, we come dragging in sometimes, and we're not even with it, we got to have that second cup of coffee to get us awake, and while we're doing that, the uh, worship leader's up here, and they're singing and playing and stuff like that. And we're, I don't know what we're waiting for. We're just kind of waiting. And it's like, oh, man, I hope they sing, like, one of my favorite songs, and maybe I'll just get with the program. And if they don't sing the right song, then we don't do anything. We'll just sit there. And then when the worship leader's done, the pastor gets up, and he starts to speak. And then when he starts to speak, well, pastor, you, I hope you, man, I hope you were better than last week. Yeah, you, come on, give me something. Stir me. I don't know. And we're waiting for the goosebumps and the moosebumps. We're waiting for a truckload of God to be dumped on us. We're waiting for somebody to do something to kind of bring us alive. When I'll tell you what ought to happen. What ought to happen is on a Sunday morning, because we, it, if we're talking about relationship, come near to God, and he will come near to you. We take the step. 
And we ought to be in God's presence. We ought to be reading his word. We ought to be praying, communicating with him all week long. And when we come in on a Sunday morning, man, we ought to have a word. Something, something is inspired in us so that we're looking for somebody and saying, oh, you feeling a little down here, brother? I'll tell you what, I got a word for you. God is with you all the time, not just on this day, but every day. And so we got, I got this scripture and I got this. And we're Sunday morning ought to be a celebration of the goodness of God in our lives all week long. That's what it ought to be. But sad to say it's not. Something to think about. All right. So, uh, real quick. Oh, what time is it? Okay, all right. We're, we're going to wrap up real quick. Okay. So, let's talk about four characters in the Bible when, it, when, it, when we're talking about prayer. Okay? Four characters. Elijah. Elijah was a character. Now, this guy, man, he was serious, fervent. This guy was full of zeal and passion. Man, when he was praying, it was unbelievable. James 5, 17 18, Elijah was a man just like us. Okay, so let's get it clear. This guy wasn't some sort of, ooh, well, you know what, God kind of, uh, he's in a different category by himself. No, a man just like us. He prays that it would not rain. And what happens? For three and a half years, it doesn't rain. That's pretty powerful. And then three and a half years later, he prays that it would rain. And what happens? Well, you know, you can read it for yourself. It starts to rain. That's pretty serious. This guy is a serious guy when it comes to prayer. Okay. In 1 Kings 17, 21 to 22, here's this same man who is just like us. What happened? He was living with a, a widow lady. That had a son, and there was a famine, and so he was some doing some things there. Some miraculous things happened, and they they were being fed throughout this whole famine. But at some point in time, the son became sick, so sick that he actually died. And when he died, this poor lady was just grief stricken, and Elijah comes along and says, "Oh, right, give me the boy." He takes the boy in his arms, goes up to an upper room, and then he lays himself prostrate on top of this boy. Now that's kind of Creepy. Like, you don't want to do that today. Do that today, and they'll be calling somebody. Somebody will be showing up at your house. Okay, but anyway, this is what he did. <clears throat> it's not my account. It's what's in the Bible. He stretched out on the boy, and he cries out three times, Let this boy's life return. You know what happened? If you read it yourself, the boy was raised from the dead. He's a man, just like us. But man, he was serious, fervent. He was passionate, full of zeal when it comes to prayer. We, at times, need to be passionate, full of zeal when it comes to prayer. All right, another character is Jacob. Jacob, now you read in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. That's a reference point there. You read about Jacob, and Jacob is at a place where he's wrestling with God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine wrestling with God? He's having the time of his life. Oh, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So what does God do? Touches him on the hip. Read it for yourself. Touches him on the hip and dislocates his hip. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, not sure I want to wrestle with God. Yeah, 
It's going to dislocate the hip. I, I, don't even, I don't even understand this whole thing. And I know that the Bible says that from then on, Jacob walked around with a limp. Now, I'm sure that Uncle so-and-so said, hey, tell you what, I know the remedy for that. I can fix that. Yeah, I, I used to have those pains, but here's what you do. And Aunt so-and-so would say, oh, no, okay, oh, you poor little boy. You know, come sit down. I fix you. Okay, so they had all that. Everybody's trying to say, I'll help you out. I'm sure if they're normal people like us. But I got a feeling that Jacob, anybody that ever came along and wanted to do something with that hip, he's saying, don't you touch me. Because let me tell you something. This is a constant reminder of where God touched me. I'll tell you what, he can break me, he can smash me, he can do whatever he wants with me. But as long as I know his touch, I know his anointing, I know his favor, I'll walk around with a limp because it's just reminding me, this is where I had the encounter with God. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's why he was satisfied to walk around with a limp from then on. Because God could have healed him. All right, so that's Jacob. Spending energy in prayer. I think there's times that we need to spend energy in prayer. All right? How about Moses? Moses is spending time. Man, there's time. You know, we got to stop. Well, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. We need to spend some time on our face, a season. Maybe you need to take a full week, a few days or whatever. Well, Moses, 40 days and 40 nights. And you can get this in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Now, here's the thing. Moses, the reason he was on his face 40 days and 40 nights, he wasn't drinking or eating or anything. He was just going, man, I'll tell you what. He was interceding. You know what an intercessor is? Someone who stands in the gap, in the middle, and on the one hand, pushing back the forces of hell. And on the other hand, saying, God, come and do everything that you've ever wanted to do. God's looking for intercessors in water down. Because I'll tell you what was happening here, why Moses was on his face is because, you, read the entire New Testament, read the entire, no, sorry, read the entire Old Testament from cover to cover. The Old Testament. You read the Old Testament, and I'll tell you, I, I, I got frustrated. I remember the first time as a, as a teenager that I read it right through, and I went, oh, man. Like, uh, you read one page, and you're going, man, people of God, they returned to God, and they sacrificed, and... They were singing and dancing and celebrating, God, you're the only God. Then I just turn the page. I don't even get a few chapters down. I get the next page. And then they rebelled against God, and they're worshiping false idols, and they've forgotten God. And then turn the page again, and then they return to God, and oh, I'm sorry, God. Turn the page again, and then they're worshiping other God. I mean, it's on and on. If I was God, I would have wiped them out. Good thing I'm not. But God did get to the place where he said, I've had enough. I am done with these people. And Moses fell on his face 40 days and 40 nights, and he rescued a lot of people. God's looking for people who will be intercessors. For people that are lost, hopeless, without God, he's looking for intercessors. Will you be one of those? All right, that's Moses. All right, the fourth character, how about the dying thief on a cross? Well, that's a simple prayer. And it didn't take long. Jesus is hanging on the cross. On the one side, a thief. On the other side, another thief. They deserved what they're getting. Jesus, totally innocent, hanging there. And the one guy says, hey, 
Jesus. No, he didn't say it kind of like that. He was in agony when, he was, when it was going on. It's like, oh, Jesus. If you're re- he might have been drunk, too. Who knows? But if you're really who you say you are, hey, how about helping a brother out? Like, if you're going to help yourself, I mean, you can get us off the cross and help us, too. That'd be awesome. The other guy's going, shut up. We deserve what we're getting. This man has done nothing wrong. And then here it comes. One of the most powerful prayers in history. Jesus, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And the reply came back. Today, you will be with me in paradise. In a moment, in just a couple of seconds, his life was absolutely changed and the direction of where he's going to spend eternity changed in the moment. All right, now all of us here in this room, I'm sure, that you're going, man, I'll tell you what, the power of Jesus. I mean, he has the ability to heal lepers, Matthew chapter 8. He can give distant healing. It doesn't have to be in this room. It doesn't have to be in this province. It can be across the globe somewhere. Luke 7, you can read that. Control. He has control over demons, according to Luke 8. He can raise the dead, according to John 11. He can hold the believer. Romans 8 says that we can't ever be separated from the love of God. He can keep spiritual treasure. 2 Timothy 1 says, I know whom I have believed, and I know that he's well able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And he can save absolutely, completely. Hebrews chapter 7. Now we're talking about Jesus. The son of the living God. And let me tell you something. When they got him in the courtyard, the Roman soldiers were just playing with him. They were smacking him around. They, they took the whip, the cat of nine tails. You know, it was leather, so it was hard. It was bad enough if he got whipped like that. But it's metal pieces hanging in the leather. And when that whip came down, it dug into his flesh. And they ripped the flesh from his bone. His back looked like a piece of hamburger meat when it was done. They took a... a a crown of thorns, not just little tiny thorns. These were big, jagged thorns. They put that on his head, and then they beat him over the head with a staff. Those thorns dug in. Now listen, you, you can talk to doctors and scientists and stuff like that. When stuff begins to pierce the scalp and down through, then swelling begins to take place. His head must have swollen up like a water bucket. And then they threw him down on an old splintery cross. And they said, hey, get those, uh, you know those nails that we sterilized? We don't want infection to set in. Are you kidding? Rusty old spikes. And they nailed his hands and his feet into the cross. They hoisted the cross up and they said, hey, careful. Careful, just lower it in, careful. No, they dropped it in the hole. Could you imagine how that felt? And he's hanging there. And all the demons and everybody around that, that were so ungodly, they just said, ah! <laughs> and, and they were spitting and mocking. And they said, ah, look at him now. And the demons were going, we got him right where we want him. But all of a sudden it got dark. And the sky. And then the thunder started to roar. And the rocks started to split. Let me tell you something. When that happened, Jesus said, it is finished. When he said that, the veil of the temple split in two. They saw people who had died coming out of the tombs. I mean, it was crazy stuff that was going on. That was Jesus. And then they took him down off the cross, and some people thought, that's it, it's over. But let me tell you something, it was just the beginning. Because when Jesus died, read it. 
When Jesus died, he went into the bowels of the earth. He went into hell itself. He was on a mission. He's walking through the corridors of hell. Could you imagine that? I'd, man, a fly on a wall. Wouldn't you like to be there? Walking through the corridors of hell and all the demons that line the place. Do you, know, like, you feel that? Like This is different. We've never had this before. And Jesus walks over to the devil himself and says, give me the keys. I'll take the keys. He takes the keys of death and hell. And now we don't see a bloody Jesus hanging on a cross. Now we see the mighty one, the victorious one, the one who is a conqueror, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that has the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Jesus. But this Jesus, listen to this. After all that happened, then he says this. I tell you the truth. This is John 14, verse 12 to 14. Jesus is talking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask. Here's the secret. In my name. Use the powerful name of Jesus. Speak the matchless name of Jesus. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. And Jesus said, I will do it. Why don't we pray more? Wow. So he takes the keys. And he says, hey, you know what? I give the keys of the kingdom to you. You know this authority that I have? I'm giving that authority to you. Why don't we pray more? Can I tell you why I think we don't pray more? I think we don't pray more because we, we have this feeling that God is going to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. You say, well, hey, wait a minute. Clark, it's true. God, yes, he can. That's God. He can do whatever, whenever. But he chose to do it this way. He chose to do it through us and with us. Okay? Illustration. So we've got the laws of the land. Well, let me tell you something. The laws of the land were here way before we got here. Uh, you know, speed limits, bylaws, all this stuff. You know, and... How many of us really pay attention to speed limit anyway? I know there's probably someone here going, oh, yeah, that's me. I know I've been behind you. I know. Wow. But most of us, oh, you know, we got to get there, and if we don't, okay, we're, coast is clear. Then we'll push it a little bit, won't we? I mean, I do. I don't, maybe it's not cool, but I don't get crazy. But, you know, you, you, you kind of know what you sort of get away with. And, you know, okay, you're looking, yeah, I don't see anybody. But let me tell you something. Those laws were always there. But if all of a sudden, a police officer, OPP on the Highway 24, wherever, and, and the lights are flashing, I mean, doesn't your heart skip a beat? Now, wait a minute. The law was always there. What's changed? Oh, What's changed is all of a sudden you get pulled over and that officer pulls up by your car. He's got the gun on the holster. He's got the, you know, he's got the whole thing. And he goes, yeah, your driver's license, registration, please. And it's like, oh. And it's like, okay, but we weren't feeling that before because the law was always there. Here's the difference. You know that that officer 
has the authority to enforce the law. Oh, okay. Whew. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And we are in fear and trembling of those who enforce the law. Well, let me tell you something. God's law has always been here, way before you and I, way before. God's desire, His plan, His purpose for Waterdown, even before Waterdown was even formed and named a place, God's purpose, His laws have always been here. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for spiritual law enforcement officers. He's looking for men and women that would agree with His law, agree with His purpose, agree with His plan, and then begin to declare in Jesus' name that your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is in heaven, let it be in water down. And He's looking for, and he, listen, and if He can't find you, He'll move on and look for somebody else. But He's looking for someone who will declare His will be done Right here where we are. And just to make sure that it happens, he says, I give you the authority. I give you the keys. But let me tell you something. Just because you got the keys, that, that, I mean, the devil's laughing at us. The devil's laughing. You know, he's like, it's like the teenager getting a set of keys. Hey, and he's going to his friends. Well, I got the keys, man. Woo-hoo, yeah. And all of a sudden, his friends go, uh, wait a minute. For, for a few weeks now, you've been saying you got the keys, but where's the car? Do you take the car for a spin? Do you do? Is there anything? No. Devil's laughing at us because we're waving the keys around. There's power in prayer. Man, I believe everything the scripture says. Woo! And the devil's going, ha, you don't believe it enough. Because I'm not afraid of you. But the moment you speak the name of Jesus with the authority and you stay close to God, Then the devil and every demon around, the darkness and wickedness in high places that are hovering over water down saying, we will not let stuff happen here. But when a law enforcement officer, someone who believes what God says and then begins to declare in Jesus' name, now you've got the devil and demons shaken. Now that's something to think about. Are we time? It must be time. What time is it? Oh, yeah, it's plenty of time. Okay. See, you didn't wave the, nobody waved the white flag. I don't know what happened here. All right. Here's your homework. Your homework for this week. Uh, and you know what? You, okay, just so you can remember it all, make sure you get a pen and, and write this down. Pray. I know that's tough. But if you will do that, And you will pray like you believe something is happening when you do. Start writing the things down that are taking place. Matter of fact, some of you might want to make a list of things that you're specifically praying for. And watch it start to happen in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word. And we just pray that it would... God, it would permeate through our very being. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.